You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. And Jackson, well, not exactly the record we were hoping for for the Bulldogs so far this season at one and what? One and three? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's not really exactly what we were thinking was going to happen, but uh, injuries had have, have been a huge part of what is going on with the Bulldogs. What's your take on it, especially after coming off another loss to uh, none other than Boise State, one that we were hoping wouldn't happen, but here we are uh, another week later with another loss on uh, Fresno State's record. What's your take on what has happened so far this season, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, Bulldogs are one and four. I thought going into this season at this point that two and three was probably a worst-case scenario. I mean, even at full strength, we knew that Oregon State game. Well, uh, I was trying to especially warn on that Oregon State game that it was going to be a tough one. And, of course, the Bulldogs were at full health, and they came up short there. We knew it was going to take a super performance at USC to win that one, and, and that didn't happen. And um, You know, we knew the Blue Turf was going to be a pretty big task, but never expected they'd lose the UConn. Um, and if we had known, known that Jake Hayner was not going to be available, I probably would have anticipated a, a loss on the blue turf, even with everything that Boise State's gone on, uh, gone through already this season. Um, certainly not the challenge that they usually are, but it was still too much for the Bulldogs to handle. And it's been injuries, it, especially uh, there's been personnel issues. Position like defensive tackle has been especially thin right now, uh, which you know they haven't really had a major Jake Hayner or Evan Williams loss there, but we saw that play into this past game where Boise State just ran it down the Bulldogs' throat late in the game. And, I mean, it's just been a long list. I mean, we had our injury report this week from Tuesday's practice, and it's like 15 guys. Now about half of that list is good news. But, man, it's just a lot of things that the Bulldogs have had to try to overcome, and uh, particularly the replacement at quarterback and the offense without Hainer is not – been up to par. Um, not to go out of my way to blame Logan Feist by any means. I, I think he's, for the most part, played all right, but he's had some costly turnovers that have really, really cost the dogs in these last two games. So it's been tough. And unfortunately for Fresno State, it doesn't get any easier this week. San Jose State is about as good as Boise State, if not better. Uh, the defense is just as good. And They've actually got a pretty dang good quarterback with Shevin Cordero. So uh, it feels like just awful timing for Fresno State, a year where most of the Mountain West is down. Uh, they're probably going to have to start conference play with the two best teams. And if they're 1-5 and five overall and 0-2 oh after Saturday, uh, there's not much left to play for besides the bowl game. No, things are going to become very difficult for the Bulldogs here on out. Uh, you know, it's safe to say – that uh, I know the, the, the saying is cliche, but uh, every win counts now. Every game counts. Um, Fresno State can't afford any more losses if they're going to stay in this race. So basically, 
they need to win every game from here on out uh, just to make sure that they can make a run uh, at the Mountain West title. Uh, am I wrong, Jackson, or, or am, am I hitting the nail on the head as as to that's what they need to do here on out? Pretty much. I mean, if, if they can find a way to win on Saturday against the Spartans, they'll control their own destiny, and they'll be in a really good spot having beaten San Jose State. But if they lose, which they are underdogs by eight and a half points right now, uh, not only are they going to be in an 0-2 hole for the conference play, but the Spartans will be 3-0, and and in order to catch San Jose State, that means the Spartans will need to lose three of their last five games uh, for Fresno State to pass them up due to the head-to-head tiebreaker or some sort of three-team tiebreaker that would maybe squeeze the Bulldogs into a championship game. So, And then you look at San Jose State's schedule, get this, their home games remaining are going to be against Nevada, Colorado State, and Hawaii. It's hard to see them losing any of those games as long as they stay healthy. So uh, for all intents and purposes, the Bulldogs have their backs up against the wall here on Saturday for conference title hopes. And it's just the second week of conference play, which is a tough spot to be in. And again, I mean, the, the next six games on the schedule are not overly daunting. They're games that the Bulldogs would probably win, even without Jake Hayner or Evan Williams. They're also still games they could probably lose, but um, it's just been unfortunate that these two games had to come first where the Bulldogs are at their weakest against Boise State, against San Jose State. These are the two absolute worst matchups the Bulldogs could draw, given where the offense is right now with the O-line and the quarterback play. Yeah, it's gonna. It's it, they've pretty much dug themselves a hole right now, and it's gonna be very hard for them to get out of that hole. Uh, but you know, it, it's gonna take one step at a time, and of course, they're gonna have to do it this week uh, against uh, San Jose State. And um, I'm not foreseeing a sold out crowd like the last game uh, that happened at at. Uh, at Valley Children's uh, Stadium. So, Jackson, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's going to be a, a a really big crowd unless Devontae Adams is the one who draws them. Right, Jackson? Yeah, they are very close to selling out the stadium. Oh, I, really? I have suspicion that not as many seats will be filled as the Oregon State game. <laughs> uh, I would imagine some people decide not to show up or try to sell those tickets. Maybe they're unable to, but... Uh, Fresno State, they campaigned very well before all this. They had 31,000 tickets sold even before the UConn game. And reportedly, they got another 6,000 sold even after the loss to the Huskies. So uh, they're pretty close. Um, If they don't sell it out, they should be very close. And it's just a matter of, is this going to be an entertaining, competitive game that keeps people in the second half? Or uh, if the Bulldogs are behind and... You know, it might be 9.30, 10 o'clock after the Devontae Adams ceremony. If, if things aren't going well for the dogs on the field, it, it could clear out pretty quick like it did back in 2017 for Derek Carr's uh, jersey retirement against an FCS team. It was a blowout. It was 100 and something degrees, and uh, people were ready to go home after all that. So hopefully the Bulldogs give uh, the Red Wave reason to stick around for the, the third and fourth quarters because, again, uh, I mean, it could be a, a – possibly an insurmountable hole for the team if they lose but if they win all of a sudden it looks a whole lot different i mean they would control their own destiny the rest of the way they could be getting jake hayner and evan williams back soon against a pretty mediocre schedule the rest of the rest of the way so 
I mean, the Bulldogs are in a tough spot right now, but a big crowd could be enough to, to help things along here. Yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, it does draw a big crowd with having Devontae Adams coming to town. Um, but like like you said, the, we could suspect that some of those seats are probably going to be left empty because, uh, let's face it, when the team is losing, not everybody wants to be there. <laughs> so it, it is the nature of the beast, uh, to say the least. But uh, before we start heading on to, you know, the, the – Devonta Adams coming to town. Let's break down uh, what happened at Boise State and exactly what went wrong, Jackson. I mean, y- you were there on the ground watching this game. From what you could tell, what exactly went wrong? Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised for the majority of the game. I mean, it was a pretty big-time football atmosphere for as far as Mountain West football goes. I mean, I remember there for the Mountain West Championship game in 2018, which was the last time the Dogs were there. Uh, they only sold in Boise State 23,000 tickets. You know, the season tickets don't carry over for championship games. It was late. It was cold. The snow came, and uh, it wasn't a, a crazy atmosphere. And this particular game uh, over the weekend was actually their biggest crowd ever at Boise State. And we know they sell out a lot of games there, but. They must have found some extra standing room or, or something to get some extra fans in there. And, I mean, it was just uh, totally energetic from start to finish, pregame, <laughs> between quarters. It just seemed like it never stopped. And the Bulldogs handled it pretty well. Um, and they played very good, uh, at least a better football than I expected for a good 35 minutes or so. Um the offense got some of the running game going. They broke out the Wildcat. Uh, they were just able to pick up some gains on the ground, which allowed them to um, get some more time in the passing game. The, the Broncos weren't able to send as much pressure. and Logan Fife was able to sit back a little bit more and make some more reads and had a pretty fantastic play where the fumbled snap got picked up and he threw it on the run to Nico Remigio. I, I didn't think he had that in him. So that was a surprising play. And just in general, I mean, it was back and forth. Um, the Fife had a bad interception. So did Boise state. I mean, both teams took advantage and, uh, just eventually it, it turned real quick. Uh, it seemed like the defense started to wear out. Um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, the Bulldogs uh, are not in good shape at defensive tackle right now. The top four players that they used in this game, or a junior college transfer and three true freshmen. And that's tough against anyone, but Boise State's line is one of the best they're going to see in conference play. And eventually in the third and fourth quarters, they were just able to run the ball down the Bulldogs' throat. Uh, they didn't have a ton of big plays, but it was a slow death. They had long drives, and they were able to convert into touchdowns, which was unfortunate because the Broncos' passing game was, was pretty ugly. Um, if they could have forced some third and longs, it wouldn't have been very hard to get the ball back to the Bulldogs' offense more frequently and have kept them in it. But uh, you know, the defense just wasn't able to keep up for the second half. And in turn, once the offense fell behind, I mean, it was uh, the troubles we've seen before all over again. Uh, once this team's in passing obvious situations, the, the O-line breaks down, the quarterback play breaks down, and uh, it's the same thing we saw at UConn, same thing we've seen at times against USC and, and Oregon State, even with Jake Hayner out there. Um, 
this team in its current state without some players, they, they can't afford to be in obvious passing positions or to play from behind. And as soon as that happened, when the Bulldogs went down 27 to 20, it just crumbled. Uh, the dogs only had like 15 to 20 snaps in the second half. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think the Bulldogs were going to compete the way they did for two and a half quarters or so, but uh, the last 20 minutes or so of the game kind of destroyed all the goodwill they built. It was just a domination that, that made you feel the same types of feelings you had at, at UConn and other losses up to this point. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's becoming very apparent that the injury bug is really affecting the Bulldogs at this point. Um, and to be honest, they can't afford any more injuries. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen the injury bug hit the Bulldogs as as hard and as heavy, um, uh, you know, for quite some time as they've been hit this year. It seems like almost every key position there has been an injury uh, for the Bulldogs and they've been forced to to go with a backup or, or something or change the scheme or whatever, but it it's really looks like it's really affecting the Bulldogs at this point, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, even Jake Hayner and Evan Williams alone, those two, the Bulldogs have had injuries in 2019. It was more towards the end of the season. It was kind of a, a snowball effect compared to this year that's been just, such a quick strike over the last three weeks of guys that have gone down. But, um, you know, in 2019, they got by and then it became too much towards the end of the season. Um, but just in general, I, I can't remember the Bulldogs having just a key player, uh, as big of players, as important of players as Jay Kaner and Evan Williams, both going down. I mean, Philip Thomas back in 2012, 2011 is probably the last time they've had just even one of those types of significant injuries on either side of the ball. Uh, so this has been really rough for the dogs and especially at quarterback as, as we're seeing um, a lot of the offense was predicated on Hayner performing well and getting the ball downfield and they, and making up for some of the deficiencies on the O line too, which are things that even if Fife is a solid quarterback, those are, not very good positions for him to be in with the O line that he's got right now. And um, just some of the play calling, they've got to pass short essentially. And it's, he's been efficient up until the point where they start getting a little bit desperate to move the ball. And that's where things crumble. So, um, but as mentioned, it's not just those two guys. It's been uh, an assortment. There's been injuries on the O line, on the D line, at linebacker, um, uh, I mean, it's been a, a lot of positions that don't look as bad as a Jake Hayner or Evan Williams absence, but those things start to add up and make things even more difficult on, on this team. And it's frustrating because it doesn't seem like they're that far away. I mean, they've had two games they've lost on the last drive, and they've had this Boise State game, which they were in it till the last quarter or so, and. You know, some of uh, some of those pieces could have been the difference, uh, especially at quarterback. I mean, you assume Hayner would have been enough to get the win at UConn, and it would have been a big difference maker against the Boise State team that was not very well equipped at quarterback themselves. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a chore, um, and and so you know, dealing with the injuries, Jackson, is there any type of good news, or or what what kind of news can you deliver so far? On what uh, on the injury front for the Bulldogs, as far as any 
close to returning players? Anybody going to be back for the game? You know, things like that. What What's going on with the injury front right now? Yeah, um, so one piece of info I put out there on Tuesday was that uh, Jake Hayner is not expected to be back this week, but he did go out there on the field for the first time and threw the ball around. Now, he's not particularly mobile. He still has a brace on this foot and ankle area, but uh, that was the first time that he's done that, and it's been a pretty rapid uh, ramp up uh, relatively to where he was. I mean, after the Yukon or the USC game, we saw him at practice and he was on a scooter with <laughs> one of those where your foot's in such bad shape where you don't even want it to touch the ground and you don't want to have to even deal with crutches. You know, it rests your knee right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's never coming back this season. And then a few days later, he was in a big boot walking around and then that turned into a little brace and uh, now he's out there throwing the ball around a little bit. It certainly feels like he's getting closer. Maybe the next week, two, three, uh, somewhere in that range, maybe he'll be able to make a return. Uh, obviously, he's able to throw the ball around, but the big key is he's going to be able to not only move like a quarterback needs to, but move a lot because they, I mean, he has deep drop backs and a lot of running around with this O-line and he's going to be able to need to do all that to not re-injure himself when he comes back. So it was at least a positive sign. Um, Raymond Scott, who did not play at Boise State linebacker, he did come back and he suited up for that game, but he wasn't able to play. He's practicing this week and looks like the Bulldogs should have him back. Um you know, I, I have the full injury report on our Barkboard VIP board. Uh, again, there's about seven guys I reported kind of trending in the right direction and uh, about six, seven guys that are still out or are newly injured, which is not uh, particularly uh, optimistic. If the Bulldogs are missing some new players, which looking like they might, um, but Overall, uh, there's some, these guys that were initially injured, the Jake Hayner and Evan Williams and, and Josh Kelly. Uh, we were all kind of skeptical when they were named week to week after the injuries they had. And it's looking like that, that's becoming more truthful and that they may be back sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's uh, that's some good news as far as uh, you know. A few of these players may be making a return soon, but it does not look like it's going to be for the San Jose State game, uh, in which uh, Hayner is still ruled out of this game. Uh, so we'll see more of Logan Fife. Perhaps Jalen Henderson makes an appearance. Jackson, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, you'd like to see him get a shot. Um, uh, he did get one play at Boise State, and then they tried to run a second play. A timeout was called. He came out. We never saw him again. So it uh, wasn't much of a glimpse of him. Um, we do know they have some plays and some packages installed. Uh, I think they have more ready to go uh, this week, or there's even some things that they had last week that they just didn't get around to using it doesn't sound like he's particularly going to have a chance to start or play extended periods of time, but we may see him get mixed in a little bit. And the the message from coach Tedford certainly feels like he's not necessarily hyping up Logan Fife by any means for how he's played so far, but that he feels Logan is getting more comfortable and is adjusting to the speed of the game. And that 
it's a process that whoever they put back there needs to go through to play two, three, four games, maybe more, before they really start to reach their potential. And it feels like they don't necessarily want to make a big change because you'd be starting that process all over again. You go with Jalen Henderson. I mean, if it takes him two, three, four games to, to get comfortable, whereas Fife's already got two and a half under his belt, um, it's just going to prolong the struggles of the offense. But I definitely agree with a lot of fan perspective uh, that you would just kind of like to see what he's got and to give him a chance and lead a couple of drives and see if he does something that sparks the offense or if it is um, just about equally as effective or, or potentially worse. You know, just, just we, that's such an unknown. And they were told to be so close during fall camp and in the spring and all of last year. So I certainly understand the head scratching about why Henderson hasn't gotten the chance. And I, I can see where Tedford's statements are coming from as well. But um, I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of Henderson on Saturday, but could see him a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting to that point where some of the fans just want to see what's going on. However, like you said, I mean, Fife, it, it, this may be the turning point turning point for Fife in getting comfortable, especially where majority of the games that he has played have all been on the road. He hasn't had a chance to actually play at home and see and get comfortable with the crowd behind him. So this could actually be a turning point for Fife uh, in his uh, growing process. Um, and, you know, we also got to take into consideration that uh, Hayner's not probably chances are Hayner is not going to be here next year and getting Fife up to speed at this point is probably uh, in the best interest of the Bulldogs uh, getting him comfortable because he more than likely will be the starting quarterback next season. Um, am I off Jackson or, or, or what do you think? Uh, am I, am I taking a shot in the dark here or, or do I seem like uh, maybe there's a little, little bit of legitimacy here of what coach Tedford is trying to trying to pull off this season? You know, not to say anything bad about Fife, but I would be a bit disappointed if the Bulldogs don't utilize the transfer portal uh, just because that is the norm in college football now. Uh, 24-7 sports ran the numbers, and almost 50% of starting quarterbacks in FBS football this year were transfers. And in the group of five level, it was even more. It was about 55%. And so... Um, Fresno State doesn't have an established guy to take over the reins next year. And so why not go find one that is established from another school that can come right in and plug away, just like Jake Hayner did, just like um, Marcus McMarion did. Uh, I do think that the Bulldogs could have a quarterback of the future on the roster, though, because there's a lot of optimism for Joshua Wood and what he's doing so far as a true freshman. He's redshirting right now. You've got Jaden Mandel coming in as well next season as a true freshman and um, we'll see what happens with Logan Fife and Jalen Henderson right now because this is kind of their window to prove that they can be the next guy and I don't think we've seen it from Fife quite yet um, I think if you know he might have two or three more games here to try to prove it and if he does do something impressive then that's going to give him a shot to be the next guy up but even so, uh, he'd still be uh, younger and more inexperienced than probably a lot of quarterbacks that Coach Tedford will have access to in the portal. And again, then you've got two really young guys in the room that 
could be the future of the position a couple of years down the road. So there's still a lot of ways I think it could go, but this was the chance and is the chance for Fife to establish himself as the next guy. And I don't think anyone's seen that yet. No, absolutely not. I mean, if, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're, you're hoping that they go to the portal and get somebody else uh, than anyone we have on roster. Uh, maybe someone who has shown glimpses at a, another university and bring them in. But do you, do you roll the dice on a, a quarterback that's here for only one year? Or do you look more for a quarterback that might have a couple of years still available, uh, even in the transfer portal? Yeah, and, and it's not to discredit anyone that's currently on the roster or coming onto the roster, but uh, the days of starting a freshman or even an underclassman that without experience and hoping for the best, I think are, you know, if you're playing that kind of game, you're behind the curve. <laughs> Everybody uh, else when, is just throwing these guys who already have experience into the mix. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think the ideal thing is to find someone that can have two years that knows what they're doing, that has experience, preferably coming from a power five level that, has shown flashes, but didn't quite break out as a starter at their school, just like Hayner and McMarion. Hopefully you get two good years out of them, and then the next guy's ready to go after some time practicing and developing within the program. Um, I think that would be ideal. And, um, you know, at this stage, uh, the Fife and Henderson, neither uh, neither of them have shown yet that they're the heir apparent. And um, so getting close to the time to look towards some of the younger guys that could be developing and ready by the time that what 2024, 20, 25 rolls around. If the Bulldogs go the transfer route and find someone to, to plug in for a year or two. Yeah, that's definitely going to be uh, in their best interest. And I, I don't know, Jackson, I think that this transfer portal at some point or another, uh, they're going to try and clamp down on it because right now it just feels like it's really free flowing at the moment. Don't you think? Yeah, they've uh, made some efforts lately. They've cl- closed some of the windows. If you can't just enter the portal at any time anymore. It's going to have to be a short window after the season or a short window in the spring. Um, so teams are going to have to be a little more, and players are going to have to be a little more calculated about when they have spring practice and try to figure out their needs and when they go get players from the portal. And some players are entering the portal midseason, but uh, basically you've got to be a graduate transfer to enter the portal uh, during this time of year now, or you're basically just leaving your team and, and waiting until December and not doing anything football related to enter the portal. So they're trying to clamp down a little bit, but um, it, it's definitely changed recruiting. I mean, again, you don't need to go through growing pains if you can find an older, more experienced player. And that goes for any position. Um, the Bulldogs tried to get some, transfers on the O-line and D-line. Some of them have played, some of them haven't this year. It hasn't quite worked out the way that most of the transfers have gone for Fresno State. But guys like Raymond Scott, guys like Cam Lockridge, um, these are the type of players that can boost your defense through the portal without having to develop or worry about a young player. But unfortunately, both of those two guys are among the injured list too. Yeah, so it's going to be... Uh, be interesting how the Bulldogs navigate that here in the future. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to try and get a little bit more creative when it comes to the transfer portal to try and, and help boost their team, uh, especially 
like you said, at the quarterback position right now, no one is really separating themselves. Uh, at least no one that we're aware of, Jackson. I mean, they could be having their eye on somebody that's already on the roster, but they're trying to save their uh, their redshirt uh, uh, status, and and we just aren't aware of it. But only time will tell. Uh, so let's move into the game against San Jose State, Jackson. Let's 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 break down this matchup. A team that you are very familiar with because it is one of the teams that you cover on a regular basis. So you've kind of got a, a little bit of an inside track than most people. You know, how do you see this one stacking up? Let's start off with Fresno State's offense right now, who is struggling against this San Jose State defense. Yeah, and in fact, I was at Fescue Stadium on Friday night when the Sparks played the Rebels, and then next morning flew out to Boise and covered another game in a different time zone. So it was uh, quite a weekend for me. I got to see the Bulldogs and the Spartans on the field in person and get as good of a, a grasp of where both teams are going into this game. And uh, I, Unfortunately, especially for this matchup, the Bulldogs offense versus the Spartans defense, it just seems like a lot of bad news uh, for the dogs in my mind. Um, we know San Jose State, they're strong in the defensive front. Kate Hall, defensive end, was has been the pre, uh, Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year once and the preseason Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year twice, including this season. He's a lot of trouble. Their other defensive end was an All-Mountain West pick and Junior Fajoko, and they've got an All-Mountain West inside linebacker and Kyle Harmon. These three guys are going to create a lot of trouble for a Fresno State O-line that is already having a, a tough time right now. Um, and then just overall, schematically and talent-wise, this San Jose State defense has very few weaknesses. Um, and they haven't given up more than, uh, what, 19 points all season long. Um, Twenty, They gave up 24 to Auburn, and uh, no one else has scored more than 17 on them this season. So, uh, I mean, that's enough proof right there. But you look at their lineup, and it is very close to the same starting lineup that really led the Spartans to a eight and one season in the COVID year and a Mountain West championship. They were eight. zero when they beat Boise state for the title and uh, they lost their bowl game with a bunch of guys that were out with COVID. Um, but pretty much that same lineup is just still in place two years later. They've lost very few players and the holes that they have had, uh, they've gone out, they got a transfer from USC at safety, Chase Williams to fill that gap. They've had a couple of young linebackers step up and fill some spots where the Spartans either lost or, or had injuries early this year. And so this is a team that just has very few weaknesses and is deep. They use a lot of their depth and are especially strong in the places where the Bulldogs are weakest, which is in the trenches. So I think it's going to be a lot of the same. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Bulldogs to run the ball on this team. It's going to be tough for Logan Fife to have much time to throw the ball and, these are the same issues that have cost the Bulldogs the last two weeks. So I, I don't have a lot of optimism about that side of the ball for the Bulldogs, unfortunately. Uh, but they did exceed my expectations against Boise State. And I think if they can just avoid playing from behind, they can game plan around what Logan Fife and the guys do to stay in it and move the ball and get some points on the board like they did against Boise State. But they can't get into a place where they need to catch up or they're even facing a, a small disadvantage or a small deficit with, without momentum. I mean, 
as soon as the Bulldogs went down 27-20 at Boise State and they went pass heavy on that next drive, I just knew they were one sack away from that game really getting away from them. And that's exactly what happened. So they really need to commit to the game plan, even if it's not a very pretty one. <laughs> and it's not a one that creates a lot of explosive plays. I think it's their only chance for this game to not get away from the offense. Yeah, it, it, they're going to need to do something to try and, and keep this one uh, within just within reach. <laughs> uh, the Bulldogs uh, right now, you know, struggling on offense, trying to find an identity for, for the most part. I, I mean, even the running game is has struggled, and I, I think that's attributed to the struggles of the offensive line, right, Jackson? Yeah, definitely at UConn. Um, they didn't have Dante Bull and – it's hard to put all the blame on that. I mean, when 80% of your old line is intact, but um, for whatever reason, they, they could not run the ball on UConn. And as much as Coach Tedford talked up their front seven, it's just hard to believe that they wouldn't be able to run the ball on that team when they could against USC and Oregon State and all that. So um, they, I felt the game plan was much better against Boise State. They had Bull back, and they used some Wildcat and some other um, – formations and some different approaches to run the ball and that worked for a while but again once you're down and once you're in second and long and third and long you you can't keep running those plays and you've got to throw a little deeper and that's just not the comfort zone for this team which is just still so bizarre after it's what they did so good last year uh, whether it was Hainer related or not, (laughs) uh, the, the team just hasn't thrown deep this year even before Hainer's injury. Yeah, uh, and that's something they're going to need to do to kind of open up the playbook is is take shots downfield, something they have not been able to do. Uh, whether or not they have uh, the trust in uh, Fife to do that, that's a different story. So we'll have to see what what happens uh, this upcoming game as to what the Bulldogs are going to do. Um, now, on the flip side of things, you've got San Jose State's offense taking uh, taking on Fresno State's defense who uh, have not played extremely poor, but they cannot win the games themselves. Uh, so, uh, you know, what's what's the thought on that, Jackson? Yeah, that's the frustrating part about the defense right now is that they look good enough for stretches of times. And then against UConn and Oregon State, I mean, their poor play late in the game cost the game where the Bulldogs were uh, in position to win. I mean, the stop, they were a stop away from winning those games and the defense didn't get it done in either, and we saw the defense just unable to last four quarters against Boise State's offense. And So when you turn to the Spartans, I mean, the Broncos did not have much going at the quarterback position. <laughs> and uh, The passes, there were a lot of ugly ones. The Bulldogs got a lot of pass breakups and even an interception. And this is going to be a much different case when you look at San Jose State. They went out and got Shevin Cordero, transferred from Hawaii, who's just been a super productive quarterback his whole career. And he's coming into this game with back-to-back Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week honors. He can throw the ball deep. He can throw it accurately. Um, He can use his legs. He's very good on the run, whether they design it or not. He's a threat to run at any given time. Uh, He doesn't even need to scramble, really. I mean, I think the special thing about Cordero is that he can be in a passer stance and then just take off through a seam in the line and get upfield in a hurry, which is super dangerous. So 
the Bulldogs are going to face a massively greater challenge at quarterback than they saw last week. And that Boise State offense put up 40 points. But Fresno State won't see as much talent on the O-line. The Spartans came out this season and started three freshmen, uh, three redshirt freshmen, excuse me, and gave up uh, seven sacks to Portland State in <laughs> the season opener. Um, they've had two injuries to starters. Uh, two starters did not play last week, but they have shown a lot of improvement even with that all considered. They've put up at least 33 points the last three weeks and uh, just really started to click. Um, they're still giving up sacks, and that's a chance for Fresno State's defense to make some plays uh, to try to flip this game around a little bit. That's going to be the one big weakness that the Spartans have is on that O-line, but they have shorted up a little bit. And then you're also going to see some better skill position players on the outside than the Broncos had too, which is also concerning. They've got Elijah Cooks, a transfer from Nevada, big 6'3", 6'4", body, who was one of those big targets for Carson Strong over the past few years. Now he's at San Jose State, and he's healthy and putting together a pretty good season so far. They've got two more Nevada transfers that came from that explosive offense, too. Uh, Justin Lockhart and, and Charles Ross are the other two starting receivers. and They're pretty talented guys. Uh, Lockhart was a big upgrade for them this offseason. And they've got a tight end who just caught for 100 yards last week, too, Dominic Mazzotti. Uh, that was a career high. He doesn't usually do that kind of stuff, but that's going to be something to worry about this week after Boise State utilized the tight ends, too. So... Um, you know, when I look at this game overall, you can pretty much expect a, a similar matchup with Fresno State's offense against San Jose State's defense as they face against Boise State's defense. Uh, then when you look at the other side of the ball, the Spartans are going to have much better play at quarterback and receiver, uh, much less talent at O-line and running back. So make of that as you will. Uh, I think the Spartans are going to be more explosive overall, but they're not going to be able to grind down and wear out the dogs the same way the Broncos did either. Yeah, this is going to be, uh, I don't know, should be a fun one, Jackson. Uh, you know, at least it's back here uh, in Fresno. Uh, we're able to take in the atmosphere of being uh, back home. Um, you know, I believe uh, the Bulldogs are tired of being on the road, right, Jackson? What, three weeks in a row now? I believe, yeah. Yeah, three weeks and a bye week. It'll be 35 <laughs> days between the Oregon State game and the San Jose State game. And you, know, you never know. I mean, you, you kind of look at some of the uh, comparable scores where you know the Bulldogs go to USC and get blown out. USC goes to Oregon State, and the Beavers really should have won that game. Uh, the Beavers went to Utah and got destroyed. So you see, especially in a year like this where uh, there's not a lot of established teams and there's a lot of teams playing below what we're used to seeing. Um, you know, maybe that home field advantage will be something that uh, pr produces a better Bulldog team than what we've seen on the road the past couple of weeks. Uh, that's about the one thing you can hope for on Saturday. Hopefully the Bulldogs will be able to feed off the fans uh, coming back home again. Cause this is like you said, it's been quite a while since they've, uh, since they've been uh, here at home, and uh, I, I honestly, I kind of forgot what they look like, Jackson. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just it's been so long. I mean, they may have big long beards by now by the time they come back. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this too, Lucio. I I don't condone this or want to encourage <laughs> this in any way, but 
let's face it, if the offense stinks, Logan might get booed in this game. There's a lot of fans that want to see Jalen Henderson. And I mean, this is a, again, I don't want to see this happen at all, but hopefully the home field advantage doesn't backfire at all. <laughs> hopefully well, they come out strong and give fans reasons to be excited and to cheer and not be upset for any reason because this is going to – we've never seen a Bulldog team that struggled this bad get this big of a crowd. Usually when the Bulldogs are 1-4, and four, people don't show up. And so this is going to be an interesting spot for the fans. And hopefully, you know, they're not going to leave until at least halftime. And hopefully they have reason to cheer and to not be discouraged because uh, this is their first chance in – 35 days to express that in front of the team and you know hopefully uh, the team starts well and has momentum and it doesn't get put in the spot where uh, fans want to uh, voice their displeasure because I, I could sure see it happening it wouldn't be the first time but it would be the first time this big of a crowd has done it oh i i can guarantee you i i'm gonna, I'm gonna put wages i'm gonna put odds on it i say if they do not move the ball on I'm just going to go with with two possessions. If they don't move the ball on two possessions significantly, the crowd's going to start booing the quarterback. (laughs) I can tell you that right now. Or not just the quarterback, but the offense in general uh, coming off the field. They're just going to start booing. And we all know what the reason is for. They want to see Jalen Henderson possibly come in and see what the kid has. But if, if the Bulldogs continue to struggle, they go three and out first drive three and out second drive that 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 crowd's going to come unglued uh and start booing uh i can almost guarantee it yeah and i I could not be more complimentary of boise state and the atmosphere and just the fan engagement that i saw last weekend but those fans booed hank bachmeyer just two (laughs) couple weeks ago a four-year starter who has done put his body on the line and had great moments for that program and they booed him in the offense and i'll tell you when i was there on saturday the two biggest cheers before the game came when they announced Taylor Green as the starting quarterback, and then when they put the dog on the scoreboard that gets the tee off the field. <laughs> so, uh, that kind of—I mean—it's not to say anything bad about the Red Wave or Fresno State fan base. That's going to happen no matter where you're at, and that's just the kind of perfect storm that is uh, this game's going to provide. Unfortunately, if things don't go well, and hopefully they do go well. Hopefully Logan plays great and uh, really breaks out in front of the red wave and his first start at, at Valley Children's Stadium. Uh, you know, fingers crossed. I, I hope it goes well and that the Bulldogs are in a spot where they're not in a big hole after this game and, and that fans can get re-engaged with this team the rest of the season because even at 2-4, and four, if they can win this game, they'll be in really good position if Hayner and Williams come back to win the West and uh, they'll have had all their most difficult games behind them. And if everything can come together on Saturday with the Fresno State victory, it, it's not going to turn this team into a New Year's Six Bowl team or the, the kind of hopes we had at the beginning of the year. But it could still be a conference title contender if they can pull this one off. Yeah, if they're if they're able to move the ball and move the ball, you know, get within scoring range, at least get a field goal, you know, on their first few possessions – 
the I, I believe the crowd will lay off of a Fife. <laughs> you know, if the Bulldogs are producing points, they'll lay off of him. But if if the he continues to struggle, or even uh, for you know for some reason he throws an interception or fumbles the ball or something, that crowd's going to come unglued. Uh, they're they already haven't been able to do much cheering or anything because the Bulldogs have been gone on the road for so long that. I can guarantee you that people have been yelling at their television screens for the last few weeks. So uh, to be home and be able to take, get that frustration out. If things don't go well, watch out this, this could turn very hostile very quickly here for the Bulldogs in their own home stadium. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jackson, I, I can't remember the last time things could, could really get pretty ugly. Um, God, I can't. I I just can't think far uh, that far back. Uh, when was the last time you felt uncomfortable in the stadium where the crowd just kept booing? <laughs> well, I don't think they booed much last year, <laughs> but that Boise game with the fights that was not. <laughs> I didn't like that, but yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of times where there's been quarterback controversies. That hasn't happened much here at Fresno State, but the Brandon Stater years, I mean, him and Sean Norton, that was a whole ordeal. Yeah, that's the last time <laughs> uh, I could think that there was a, the whole uh, having the issues with the quarterbacks was the, the Brandstatter Brand time. I think that was the last yeah, time. And then, and then in the DeRuiter years, I mean, they didn't hold back from trying every single quarterback they had on this roster, so it was hard to complain. <laughs> uh, just none of them seemed to pan out during the 15-16 seasons. Yeah, no one could complain about that one because <laughs> there was nothing they could do at that point. Uh, but it's um, for for the Bulldogs. I'm trying to pull up their the Mountain West schedule right now. It is things are going to start to heat up in the Mountain West, um, and so uh, we're going to take a look at what's the upcoming games for this week and see. Uh, you know what what's going to benefit the bulldogs if it's going to benefit the bulldogs um and um where things are going to go from there uh but i'm i'm struggling right now trying to get the schedule to come up here uh football here it is schedule all right so this upcoming week fresno state uh, is taken on San Jose State. So that's going to be one of the key matchups. You know, the, this is a must win for the Bulldogs if they're going to stay in this uh, race for the for the um, championship. But there's four other games happening uh, this week. Boise's on a bye this week. So they're not playing. So, you know, that's one that we don't have to, no one's going to be looking for. However, there are some key matchups happening. UNLV takes on Air Force. That is a key matchup for the Bulldogs because, um, let's face it, UNLV is off to a really good start so far this year, right, Jackson? Yeah, they were four and one, two and zero last week, and then they went to San Jose State and lost forty to seven. And I was there, and I was shocked by the score on that one. Um, but looking at them firsthand. I definitely felt the Spartans were the better team, even you know early on in that game before it got lopsided. Uh, UNLV did have its quarterback Doug Brumfield knocked out pretty early, uh, as we know here at Fresno State. It can be challenging when your starting quarterback leaves the game. So perhaps if he returns, the Rebels look quite a bit better this week. And then 
Air Force, too. Um, I mean, they just lost to Utah State. So these are two teams that uh, really want to avoid a a little bit of a skid here in their season. Well, this one, this game in particular is important for the Bulldogs. UNLV is facing Air Force. If UNLV takes a loss to Air Force, that would put UNLV at 2-2 and in the conference, which will help the Bulldogs. With the Bulldogs, if they take care of San Jose State, that now catapults Fresno State into position to make some noise, right, Jackson? So two of those, both of those teams lose. Fresno State is now back in uh, striking distance of of winning the West. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they would have the tiebreaker on San Jose State. Uh, UNLV would be in a, a greater hole. And kind of the wild card at that point would be San Diego State to see how they uh, what they make of this season, they've been kind of all over the place, um, real bad, a little bit of good here or there. So um, it would be pretty much wide open if the Bulldogs can beat San Jose State this weekend, and, and it would certainly help them if the Rebels take a loss. You know, if the Bulldogs lose on Saturday, they really want to aim for that three-team tiebreaker, which would have to be San Diego State, San Jose State, Fresno State. It would be about the only combination that, could get the Bulldogs in if all three of those teams go six and two. Uh, since the Rebels lost to the Spartans already, they don't do Fresno State any good by being one of those <laughs> top three teams if it comes to that. So, uh, yeah, the more losses for the Rebels, the better as far as the Bulldogs are concerned. Yeah, right now, uh, you know, because the standings have in the West, San Jose State with two two wins, zero losses, UNLV two wins, one loss, San Diego State one and one, and then, of course, Fresno State zero and one, Hawaii zero and one, and Nevada zero and two. So that that tells you what's going on in the West. So San Diego State not playing this week; they're on a bye. So you know, there's nothing to watch there. However, the UNLV Air Force one that is a game uh, Bulldog fans should keep an eye on and uh, should be rooting for Air Force to win that one. Uh, the other three games on uh, the the schedule uh, in in the Fresno State's conference, you've got Nevada taking on Hawaii, and um, both of them uh, are looking for their first conference win. And honestly, right now, Jackson, I, I don't even know who to root for on this point uh, between those <laughs> two. Yeah, you know, neither of these teams should end up being a factor for the conference race. I will say that. Hawaii, they had a bye week, and then they went to San Diego State, and they had that game. Uh, they took the lead with about a minute left, and then the Aztecs came back and kicked the field goal to win it. So Hawaii so, showed some signs of life. They used that bye week to install some run and shoot, which seemed to be pretty effective against San Diego State. Now, they did only score, what, 16 points, but um, they looked a lot better in it, and it's always a, a scheme that you worry about. Up to this point, Chang, Timmy Chang had been running more of a air raid offense, and now they're implementing some run-and-shoot stuff, which always seems to give teams fit, and, and who knows it better than, than Coach Chang. Absolutely. And um, the the remaining two games are uh, matchups that are from the Mountain Division, and, of course, the the record in the Mountain Division, you've got Boise State at 3-0, and Colorado State 1-0, and Wyoming 2-1, and Utah State one and one, Air Force one and two, and New Mexico at zero and three, and so the matchups here for this week, um, 
no, I don't think they really have much implication uh, right now other than uh, Colorado State needs to keep winning to keep pace with Boise State, and they're taking on Utah State, who is trying to get back into this one. So that could be a key matchup right there, Jackson. Yeah, and Utah State has looked a lot better. They've had their backup quarterback take over, and um, he's shown some signs before this, so they have a little bit of confidence with him coming in. They put up a good fight against the top 25 BYU team, and then they beat Air Force, and their only loss is to a West Division team when they lost to UNLV. So they're technically in control of their own destiny, and they don't play Boise State till the season finale. So if they can get hot, um, it could be a, a pretty important game there on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And then last but not least, New Mexico is uh, playing a non-conference game uh, as they take on New Mexico State. Uh, and so that one could uh, really not really much put uh, much difference in as far as the Mountain West is concerned. However, uh, it means a lot to New Mexico to try and take over their in-state rival uh, and and win a game uh, to improve their record up to three and four. Uh, I don't know, you know, what New Mexico State has for New Mexico or who. Who compares to what, Jackson? But I, I'm pretty sure you do know. Yeah, so, you know, the Lobos, their strength, at least, even though they're not doing so hot, is definitely on defense. And New Mexico State, I know they've only crossed 13 points one time in six games this year. And I know that because the time they did it was a 45-point performance against Hawaii in the game I, I covered <laughs> remotely. So, um this is not a very strong Aggies offense, and this is a pretty good Lobos defense. And uh, the Lobos also fired their offensive coordinator here pretty recently. So I'll uh, see if they have enough to, to outscore the Aggies. It shouldn't take much. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's it. That's that's all the games that are happening this week. Not very many in the Mountain West. However, next week's there's there's some. Uh, there's some interesting matchups next week. Let's just uh, let's uh, put it that way. I mean, one of the ones I'm looking at was UNLV taking on Notre Dame. That one's going to be interesting uh, next week, Jackson. Uh, and then, of course, Boise State Air Force. That one's turned into uh, quite an entertaining game the last few years. Um, and so those those are going to be some matchups coming next week that we'll we'll dig more into it. Hopefully. Fresno State will be in a better position after uh, this weekend's game, uh, but uh, I don't know, Jackson. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts this week? Bulldogs really need to uh, really need to take care of business against San Jose State, and then uh, hope for a little bit of help uh, from Air Force against UNLV. Yeah, yeah, it's a rough spot for the Bulldogs right now, and I just feel like had they played any other two teams to start conference play that. They might have been able to get through this stretch, but I mean, the matchups against Boise, the matchup against Boise State was as rough as you could get, and, and San Jose State is almost the same this week. The betting line opened at five; it's already swung to eight and a half in favor of the Spartans. Uh, it would take a, a very impressive performance for the Bulldogs to win, and it's kind of fingers crossed that it happens. But uh, I think. Just strategically, and, and you look at the matchups and the personnel in here, uh, all signs point toward the Spartans. And hopefully Fresno State can keep the locker room together and get guys healthy and make a run at the remaining six games because there's not a game on there that, that they can't win if they're healthy. And 
Uh, seven and five would not be a, a great season by any means for what we expected, but it would be a whole lot better than uh, one and five if, if they can pull that off. Absolutely. So every week is going to be important. And of course, we're going to keep breaking down the key matchups uh, from the uh, Mountain West so that keep you all up to date as to what to expect out of the Mountain West, which games that you should be rooting for uh, to help the Bulldogs get to where they need to be in order to make a run at the uh, Mountain West uh, Championship. Uh, That being said, Jackson, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show here? Yeah, just stay tuned to BarkBoard.com. Got a lot of coverage from practice this week. Uh, all the injury news, uh, it's a lot <laughs> to keep track of. And you know, we're at practice every day trying to, to get the latest scoop on all that. And, of course, I also cover San Jose State for 24-7 sports. So you're going to get a lot of insights about the Bulldogs opponent this week and uh, more of a, a detailed report on, on what to expect from San Jose State there. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh very fun uh, for everyone to keep an eye out for everything Jackson has in store for the uh, barkboard.com. Keep an eye open. There's going to be a lot of information being thrown at you because Jackson's been busy this past week. <laughs> so uh, if you have not become a premium subscriber, now would be the time. Um, get in there, get your premium subscription. Jackson will be uh, unveiling a lot of information that will not be released on the free boards. Um, And so make sure that you get a chance to head over there, get that information first before uh, anyone else does. And uh, of course, with those subscriptions comes a lot of a little, little caveats, uh, you know, like Paramount plus and, uh, and, and things like that. But, uh, Check it out, and if you have any issues with getting a subscription, please check in with Jackson, and he can give you a hand uh, and direct you in the right direction as to what you need to do to get things taken care of. Right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And if you go to our front page at barkboard.com, you'll see right in the the quick links, there's a link to join VIP for just $1 on your first month to kind of try it out. Um, We also have 30% off your first year if uh, your subscription lapsed or if uh, you want to sign up for longer and stay through all through recruiting and basketball and um, all the, the off-season updates, uh, then you can lock yourself in there too. So if you are looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Report. If you haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook and, and give it a like as well. Um, and of course, as always, head over to thebarkboard.com where there's both premium and free subscriptions uh, to get all your latest news and updates on Fresno State. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>